I think recruiters really need to focus. The ones that really want to do it the right way, want to be a long-term, they have to start giving back. And they have to start giving back at scale. And when I say at scale, as in the internet, right? Like literally like trying to give away all their secrets. Because I think, I mean, even, even in the recruiting industry, recruiters are against each other, right? Like it's, it's it, like, th- if you think about it, like literally like, I'm trying to scale a team that basically we try, we compete against each other. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, it's the, it's the craziest thing. And so I think there is such a me culture in recruiting me, me, me. I want to make sure I take care of myself and I get it right. You got to go get the bread. You got to go, you know, make the money. And I get that. But I think recruiters, I think to really separate themselves can really start giving back to the public. And I think that's where being a recruiter could be even easier right now than ever before. Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we explore the hidden side of modern work, help you turn procrastination into job search motivation, and teach you how to stress less, earn more, and change careers with confidence. My name is Martin McGovern, founder and lead coach at Career Therapy, and I'm excited to introduce our guest today. Please welcome Taylor Desson to the podcast. Taylor is a senior recruiter at Baco, has placed over 450 plus people into their dream tech careers, hosts the Guidance Counselor 2.0 live show and podcast, and is a self-proclaimed recruiter against recruiters. In today's convo, we take a look behind the corporate and recruitment curtains, explore what an ideal hiring process could look like, and map out the future of finding a job in 2022. The world's a changing and we need to change with it. If you like our show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We are also coming to you in video format on Spotify as well as YouTube. So check us out in these new video places that you can watch and listen to the podcast. And thank you so much for your support. It really does help us get this message out to more people and help people grow in their life and in their career. Now grab a cup of coffee or tea and settle in for my conversation with Taylor. Today's episode is brought to you by HireEct.us, a free app that lets hiring teams and candidates instantly chat about incredible job opportunities. If you're a hiring manager, CEO, or recruiter, download the HireEct app to see a curated list of talented individuals and accelerate your hiring process 10 times faster than traditional ways. And if you're a job seeker, join the platform to start talking to decision makers at startups who are ready to hire. Businesses grow faster when everyone is communicating seamlessly. Download HireEct.us, that's H-I-R-E-C-T dot U-S today. As I was looking into your stuff, you know, I mean, obviously on your LinkedIn, you have recruiter against recruiters, which is a pretty catchy <laughs> tagline. So bravo. Uh, <laughs> and I remember seeing that and just being like, all right, I like this guy, but let's yeah. go into a little more detail. How'd you come up with that? Why is that the tagline that you go with? I really wish I had some sort of profound, like, like you know, like I was hiking in the wilderness and like the Lord <laughs> appeared and you know, in a burning bush, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But no, basically like, I think I was driving, uh, I was in the car with my wife and I was like, you know what? I need a tagline. She was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. Like I need something catchy. She was like, well, how about recruiter against recruiters? And I was like, what? I was like, that's so good. And, uh, and she goes, yeah, like you're a recruiter, but like, you're also against recruiters, but you're also trying to help recruiters. And I was like, yeah, that's that amazing. Works. Kudos so to her. That's it. So, yeah. So basically the, you know, the recruiting industry is broken. 
Um, and, and, and rightfully so, right? I mean, basically the recruiting industry is putting, I mean, we're trying to put metrics on people, right? And I think at the end of the day, I think people aren't metrics. Now, listen, I understand, like you have to have some sort of guidance as like a manager, right? I've managed a team of 12 recruiters. I'm, I'm literally in a startup mode right now where I've created a company with, not a company, like a division within a division where, you know, we're scaling from the ground up. We have six people now. So like you have to put, people work well with parameters, but I think where the recruiting industry really lacks is that I think they let the, their parameters rule how they do business and build relationships. And that just doesn't work. I think it needs to be relationship focused first. And so my tagline recruiters against recruiters is while I'm a recruiter and I'm against the recruiting industry, I'm trying to make the recruiting industry a better place for everybody. I love it. Yeah. It really resonates with me because I come from the marketing world and I always felt like a marketer that couldn't stand marketing, you know? And it's like, yeah, marketing. I, yeah. Like the whole Gary V thing, right. He always talks about like marketers ruined platforms. Exactly. Like recruiting has ruined like the job search, I would say. So yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's something that a lot of people I think resonate with because the job search is so difficult and it is so taxing for folks and sometimes yeah. it takes like a long time. And, you know, the big thing that we're seeing is just the length of time it takes to go from finding an opportunity to interviewing for that opportunity to getting that opportunity. You know, I, I recently helped someone get a job just, you know, at a gym doing the sales position there. And there were like seven interviews. It's like, yeah. what's going on out here? And so I'm curious, you know, as you're looking at the industry as a whole, what do you think has changed? And when did those changes start happening? Um, when, uh, when did it change in what way? Like, when did it start? Has it always, well, let's start there. Has it always been this sort of um, this difficult right. to be a recruiter oh. in the world? Um, I mean, it's always been difficult. Um, I would say now, I would say just like tech, which is primarily where I focus on the engineering side of things, everyone's wanting to get engineering and everyone's wanting to get into recruiting, right? So I think there's, there's an opportunity out there for the really good recruiters that care about people that want to build relationships to really separate themselves. Um, and we may get into this, I may be jumping the gun, but I will tell you this, I think, um, I think recruiters really need to focus. The ones that really want to do it the right way, want to be a long-term, they have to start giving back. And they have to start giving back at scale. And when I say at scale, as in the internet, right? Like literally like trying to give away all their secrets. Cause I think, I mean, even, even, in the recruiting industry, recruiters are against each other, right? Like it's, it's it, it, like, th if you think about it, like literally, like I'm trying to scale a team that basically we try, we compete against each other. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's, it's the, it's the craziest thing. And so I think there is such a me culture in recruiting me, me, me. I want to make sure I take care of myself and I get it right. You got to go get the bread. You got to go, you know, make the money. And I get that. But I think recruiters, I think to really separate themselves, can really start giving back to the public. And I think that's where being a recruiter could be even easier right now than ever before. I love that. And I like how you said the me culture, because that's something that I talk about a lot with my coaching clients, which is this idea of being me first versus them first, right? Love that. And so much of what we see people do, like I'm sure the cover letters you see, I can't even imagine. Like this, where it's just like me, 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 I, 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 yep. all this stuff. And then the companies are like us, 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 look at how great we are. And this like yep. this sort of 
polarization of of the identities of these different roles like you're on the employer side you're hiring you're a hiring person and you're like trying to get the best candidate then you're a candidate you're trying to get the best like there's so much the best offer exactly there's so much yeah. like conflict that arises from these identities that we take on and no one is sitting there thinking well how do i make this easier for the other person how do i make this right. better for the other person and so what are some of the things that you encourage people to maybe pause and reflect on and and start to change in order to be a little bit less me focused? Well, uh, I, so, so I can address it on both ends, right? So the recruiting side, I think you need to be helping your clients and your candidates as much as humanly possible. Kind of like what I just said, right? Start sharing, you know, openly. I think recruiters are so focused on like a transactional approach. Like if the, your resume isn't a perfect fit, I'm not going to talk to you, right? Like that's absolutely ridiculous. Like I understand that everybody's busy these days, but like I talk to so many people on a daily basis that isn't going to be an immediate ROI for me, but it's going to benefit me down the road. And like, it's absolutely changed my business, right? Literally, I'll, I'll never forget one of the first guys I ever met in Nashville, his name was David. And literally like met with him, didn't know what I was doing in the recruiting side of things yet, just had lunch with him, hung out. And then I never, I, and then I never had a fit for him ever. Five years later, I had a company that literally was looking for somebody with his skill set and he got a job and I placed him. Wow. That was a five year, that was a five year, like you talk about like a, a non-immediate ROI, like that's one of them, right? So always build a relationship, people first, always. I think from helping the clients and the companies hiring, I think recruiters need to act as advocates for companies, right? Like I'm really bullish on this. Like it, the recruiting industry is known as a used car salesman industry or like you were like used car sales. And I understand that. But I think we also need to have confidence in who we are and we need to be able to understand and add value to companies like, listen, bro, gal, I'm working with hundreds of candidates. I've seen the behind the scenes of hundreds of companies and like what works, what doesn't like lean on me, like, let me help you. I, I think so many companies just want to like, they're doing their own thing and like, we'll be fine. We don't need outside help. And yet your organization is, is, is literally like hemorrhaging talent there, there there's one company i'm not going to name names they're in nashville they closed down they closed down their office and the way they're going about things right now they're driving everybody away and literally if they just asked us like hey what are your thoughts on how we're approaching this like what's our vibe in the market like what's our reputation i don't think they'd be really happy with what they hear from us and i think companies need to really truly change their mindset of working with recruiters and instead of we're this car salesman or saleswomen we are really an advocate that can really help you turn around your entire organization when it comes to hiring. Let's dig a little bit deeper into that, into the <laughs> corporate side of things, because I do think that that's fascinating. The, the difference, the, the sort of two-facedness of some of the things that we see out in the world right now, um, in, in the way that these companies act, where they say one thing and they do a completely different thing, I think a good example of this is the recent controversy with Better, right? The huge yeah. layoff that they ran that was just a huge yeah. flop for them and everyone involved. Um, what is going on? You said, you said you've seen that behind the scenes of these companies mm -hmm. and seen so many like pull back the curtain moments. What is going on? Because I think job seekers don't really understand what's going on in the lives of, rec in, of recruiters, what's going on in the lives of companies. So let's start with the company piece. What is happening back there? Like, what are they thinking about, struggling with? Why is it so hard for them to walk the talk? 
I think, I think what companies struggle with the most is getting out of their own way, right? Like I think I've said this in a few interviews. I haven't had anybody really correct me. I think I had somebody correct me once. I still stand by it. I think it's egos. I think hiring managers, um, I think one of the reasons why hiring managers want to become hiring managers is to like be able to express their opinion safely. Like I'm a hiring manager. I'm allowed to be a jerk or I'm allowed to express my opinion now and get away with it. And, 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 and I think that's what happens during the interview process. I feel like a lot of people try to insert themselves in the interview process to have a voice to be able to peacock in their organization when at the end of the day, realistically, like if you lean on the recruiters for most of the interviewing, you should only have two interviews within your organization than off of the candidate. I mean, it's really that simple. It's, it's honestly that simple. In my opinion, a company should do, if a company, listen, this is free advice. So hiring managers, companies, if you listen to this sometime in the future, hi, but also here's how we set up the interview. Literally first phone call. And this is for tech, right? And really this could go across the board with a lot of other skill sets. But again, I come from an engineering tech mindset. First interview, one hour Zoom call. Everything's got to be Zoom now. Like you need to build a relationship from the get-go. The first hour, the, the, the Zoom call needs to be about like 40 minutes, basically you selling the opportunity, you selling the vision of the company. And then the other 20% or the other 20 minutes rather need to be just asking about the candidate. Like literally the first interview shouldn't really even be about the candidate, especially if you got it from a recruiter. Because if you got a candidate from a recruiter, you're going to be able to know like, hey, this person's good. So you really don't need to spend the first call screening them a ton. You actually just need to sell the opportunity because a lot of candidates right now are getting sold or called multiple opportunities, right? Second interview is a two-hour call, Zoom call. First hour is a live coding challenge, pair coding, pair programming challenge, right? Again, coming from an engineering mindset, paired programming, where you can see how the person problem solves. It doesn't have to be an overly complicated problem. And then the second last half hour is... Well, first off, you you can cut the you can I said cut the plug. That's not the correct term. You can cut the cord there. Pull the plug, cut the cord. I'm really bad at saying it. You can ask all my friends. <laughs> um, so you have that. And if, if it goes bad, you say, hey, listen, you know what? Like this didn't quite line up. Let's just stay in touch. And you can cut it short there. The second hour needs to be like a technical screen with other people on the team. And then if you have to do another call, for a leadership culture check, that needs to be within a 24-hour turnaround and another hour Zoom call, then pull the, pull the trigger. It's that simple. But I think what happens is, is companies think they have to overcomplicate the interview process because they're scared to make a mistake and bring somebody on that's not a fit when in actuality, you gain more respect as a hiring manager. If you just hire the person, admit that you made a bad mistake and just let that person go. And here's the deal. If you struggle, and I'm pulling this from Gary Vee, I cannot take credit for this. If you struggle with firing people, give them a long runway, runway, right? Give them a three-month severance. If, like, if it hurts you to fire somebody, just give them a three-month severance, two-month severance, right? That, that helped. And I will tell you this, your team, I have been on teams where we probably haven't fired as soon as we needed to, and that has lost some respect of people because they feel like that you aren't leading and you don't have the, the command of the team to be able to pull that trigger. And so it actually hurts you as a leader within an organization if you're not willing to, to um, let that person go. So 100%. I, I've been on teams where I've literally overheard VPs say, well, we don't, we, it's too hard to fire people. So we just move them around in the company. And meanwhile, me and five other people have quit because of that person. Yep. And so yep. 
these are things that just, you know, they add up over time. And it is unfortunate that this is how companies tend to operate because there's so much, um, there is so much ability. Like if you look like what you just laid out here, and I, I appreciate you getting into so much detail with it because, you yeah, know, did I answer your question? I, I get a little, I get a little crazy sometimes. So answers. do I, I, definitely, I think we're, okay. I think okay. this will just be the ADD podcast that everyone needs to listen to before it. the new year. I love it. Um, so you broke it down people, into four people pieces. trying to take notes. Like, all right, I got one, I got two, where did three go? And I heard a six <laughs> and a Z somewhere in there is yeah. a Z for sure. But you broke it down to those four pieces. The first call selling the opportunity, second call, making sure the person is decent do, with the paired programming and everything like that. Third call mm -hmm. with the team, fourth call culture. What are these other five or six calls that companies are doing? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. I, and, and, you know, the argument is like, well, Taylor, we're not using outside recruiting firms. So we got to go through more steps. And it's like, no, you don't. Right. Literally. So right before I hopped on this with you, I had a call with my team and I'm like, team, we have to put in place everything I preach on social media. And I was like, well, we need to do, we need to come up with a framework of what makes a good recruiter, what each skill set that we all possess individually, what we're really good at, and come up with a framework on how to interview. Because I think what happens is, is you have seven rounds of interviews because no one knows how to interview and no one knows what they're looking for. So they just want to have a bunch of conversations to make themselves feel good about pulling the trigger. I want to touch on that even deeper. No one knows how to interview. This is something I'm saying to people all the time when they're stressed out. I'm like, look, your interviewer probably has not been trained and is probably pretty terrible. So your job in this interview is to help them like go in and just try and help them. Like yeah. if they're asking you the strengths and weaknesses question and they're asking lazy questions, like give them good answers to lazy questions. So let's dig into some yeah. of that right now. Like what sort of things do you think people, uh, what expectations should people have going into interviews of the interviewer? Because I see a lot of people, a lot of job seekers get so hurt. They didn't read my resume. How dare they yeah. not read my resume? Like, yeah. I can't believe they asked me this question or do they even know how to do this job that they're interviewing me for? Right. All those things. What should a job seeker's expectation be when going into an interview? Very low. <laughs> I mean, incredibly low. I, I would say um, no one's been trained. I've not been trained. Right. Everything I preach online is, is um, things I believe in, but I haven't been trained. Um, I, I, I think for me, I think if, if you're listening and you're going to be on the job search in the next year, I would have low expectations and you need to make sure though, that you want to, that, that you, that you stay with, that you interview with the company, accept the company's offer that feels that vibes, right? I, I talk about vibes all the time, right? It, it really is. I mean, for me, some of the best engineering companies that I know that interview the most effectively, it's, it, it is a very natural conversation, right? And to be honest with you, it's not even about your resume, right? People get butthurt. They didn't ask me about my resume. That actually may be a good thing. Cause I want to be honest with you. When I interview you for my team, I don't ask about your resume. I want to know who you are as a person, right? What makes you tick? What gets you out of the bed in the morning? That's the same thing, but you get the point. So mm -hmm. for me, it's, it's, if you're a job seeker and they don't, they don't, they ask, they don't, you know, the interview seems discombobulated or they don't ask you about your resume. Like, listen, no one's trained in interviewing. Very few people are trained in interviewing. And so for me, you need to be focused on companies that actually just want to have an organic conversation with you than try to force a bunch of technical jargon down your throat. Yeah. And you talked about that in one of your, your posts, you talked about how resumes are not about beating the ATS and they're more about connecting with people and 
I very much agree with that. Whenever someone says beat the ATS, I always say, which ATS? There's like hundreds of different softwares and each one's like programmed differently. It's the people. Yeah. It's exactly. The people. So what yeah. is it about like, all right, so we still need to have a resume. We still need to have a LinkedIn, right? Like one of the things right. that is so unfortunate about the job search is we keep adding new tools, but never removing any tools, right? So as a, mm. as a recruiter, what actually is important? Where should people spend their time? Spend, spend their time when it comes to the job the search? The whole job search process. You know, people spend way too much time on resumes, in my opinion. But what do you sort of see as the... Well, see, I mean, I would argue a little bit and say, I think if there's any place to like pay somebody now... People are gonna listen to this be like, really, Taylor? You're advocating <laughs> like literally. If anybody from Baker lists this, like Taylor, seriously. For me, I think if there's any if there's any part of the job search that you need to really focus on, it's it's paying for a headshot, it's paying for a resume rewrite and a LinkedIn. Now I'll tell you this: there's a lot of resume writers that are really really poor. Um, I have actually helped doctor a lot of resumes that have that they have paid. My dad even paid for a resume writing service and didn't even use me, and I had to rewrite his resume. So there's a lot of phonies out there because it's easy, right? You pay, yeah. you know. 250, 300 bucks, you get a resume written, you think it's good. And then it's, it's not right. So I would say for me, my biggest tip for resumes, um, for people who are listening to this is it needs to be project based, right? And it ne you need to take the fluff words out of it, right? Great communicator works well with others, right? Great collaborator, right? <laughs> like let's use some, let's, let's do some actionable things, right? Great. Instead of great communicator, it's like, you know, um, led six teams across the country in different time zones up to 30 members and delivered everything on time. Right. Listen, 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 person, I can tell you're a great communicator by that bullet point right there. Right. You yes. don't need to say great. Communicator. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, uh, great leader. Right. Instead of saying that, maybe say, hey, listen, my team has hit their metrics year over year, 110 percent. No other manager within the company has done that with their team. Right. Those are some really tangible things in a resume I like to see. And I also want to see project-based work, right? Your resume needs to tell a story. Your LinkedIn needs to tell a story. And you, as a job seeker, need to know how to tell a story, right? The job search is the, the interviewing process and your job search is all about storytelling, right? So many people are like, well, what if I started the job and three months in, I hated and I left? Guess what? Just say that. Literally There's just say story. that. Like, hey, listen, <laughs> listen, Mr. Manager, Mrs. Manager, I started this company. They promised me I was going to do .NET Core and Azure serverless blah 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 and i came in i was doing excel and vba and i left really i mean that's fine that's totally fine that makes sense but what happens is is people try to what cloak and dagger and like be all shady and it just comes across as extremely inauthentic during the interview process and so know know your story be able to tell it and also write your resume that tells a story in regards to projects right Talk about project-specific stuff. Don't give me 25 bullet points of random tasks you did. Say, hey, listen, when I came in, I started this project. This project helped this company or this person. It saved a million dollars and we had 15 people working on it and had a thousand transactions a second, right? Like those are the things that can really help your resume beat the ATS. And for anybody who's listening, I did parentheses around beat the <laughs> ATS. Yeah, well, hey, we have video on Spotify now as of today, so people can see it too. Is that uh, for real? That's for real. I just did not know approved. that. Yeah. I did not know approved. that. Wait a minute. Super Let me excited. see here. So how does that work? Now I will. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk after, but yeah, um, yeah. I love everything you're saying because uh, uh, that that is the truth, right? There's this whole thing where, you know, the jargon of the 90s and the early 2000s just doesn't work anymore. And I always say, no. if no one would say the opposite of what you just said, 
are you even saying anything, right? Like I get along right. with, like, I'm, I'm a good communicator. Would anyone say I'm a terrible communicator? No, exactly. so you haven't said anything. So you got to back it up. So I appreciate you breaking that down like that. Um, when it comes to uh, telling that story, this is like, I think this kind of puts people's, it, it makes the hair stand up on the back of their neck, right? Because they're like, sure. okay, I'm hearing the storytelling thing again. I'm an introvert. I don't really know what yeah. to do here. Like yeah. they start to panic. And then we say like, all right, go into the new year and tell your story. And one of the tough parts is like a lot of people when they're going through these career transitions don't know themselves very well. They're like, they don't, they're kind of throwing their whole identity into question to make this transition. So how do people get their stories together in your opinion? So, the, so it's interesting to ask this question because I've actually been kind of, I'm doing a lot of thinking about this. I've had this question a lot and, and this may be a different type of answer. I think you need to write. And because I've really evaluated, you know, new, new year, new me, end of 2021, like live, laugh, love, like kind of <laughs> hold that, you know, that, that, that whole thing that I joke about. But for me, one thing I've realized and what's really elevated my communication skills is tweeting. Right. So like when you learn how to communicate in 280 characters or less, uh, you become really, really good at communicating your point really efficiently. And so I would tell people to, well, first off, write your resume the way I just described it. That will help you start to develop your story. But then I just write. Right. I'd, 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 I'd open little Microsoft Word. And I would just start writing. I'd write accomplishments. I'd write big projects you delivered. I'd write situations you experienced that, you know, that were maybe good, that maybe bad. Because let's be honest, during the interview, they're going to talk about how do you deal with conflict resolution or maybe name a time that you dealt with somebody difficult, right? Like, and trust me, I got those stories too, right? So I, you know, again, I think writing that out, you're probably like, Taylor, seriously? Yes, I'm, I'm literally giving you permission to journal over the holidays about your career. Right. And I think, I think if you sit down for an hour, listen to some Christmas music, whatever type of music you're into, I'm a big, like old school, like Bing Crosby. Oh yeah. Like Frank Sinatra, like classic Christmas music. Get, pour yourself some eggnog. They make uh, uh, almond milk eggnog. I haven't tried that. I got to try that though. All that being said, that's not the point. The point is, is sit down and write and, and literally just sit and be able to communicate your background. And I think that's going to help you tell your story going into 2022. Yeah, I think that's huge. Journal, write, tweet. I think tweeting is a good piece of advice that I'm going to try and take away from this one for the new year. And yeah, I mean, if that's helped me a ton, a ton. Yeah. So what, what inspired you to start, you know, getting on Twitter at this point? Like, were you always kind of interested in it? What, what changed your mind on it? Yeah, I have lots of thoughts on content creation. I know people are like, great content. I hear content all the time. Mm -hmm. Yep, you and you're about to hear a little bit more of it because it's literally changed my career. So um, I had messed around with posting content. When I say post content, literally just tweet or post on LinkedIn about something, right? Literally just documenting, right? I mean, Gary Vee says it all the time. You don't have to create anything. You just talk about what you're doing and people are going to be attracted to it, right? So, um, so I started to like experiment with it six months before COVID. And then when COVID hit, I was like, damn, now what? Right. Cause I was, I was, I was kind of getting big on the, um, when I say big, like I was speaking a little bit more on um, like the conference circuit speaker mm -hmm. circuit in, in the tech community. I was hosting meetups. I was, I was going to dinners and lunch. I mean, literally like the recruiting industry doesn't scale well. Like the recruiting industry is like shaking a bunch of hands for like seven years. And then all of a sudden your business pops because you finally have like reached the, enough people who know you. 
So I was like, well, I'm going to start this content thing. So I turned my Twitter around from like retweeting cat gifts and um, Gamecock football. I went to the University of South Carolina. So they went from like basically a random Twitter account to actually talking about the job search and, and trying to help people with the job search. And so that, that escalated quickly. I, I think a lot of people, I mean, it's definitely an area of the job search that's very unknown to a lot of people. It's a black box. People don't know how to approach it or what to ask or what can they ask. So I started to go all in on about, you know, March, 2020 last year. And it's, it, it's completely changed my business. Yeah. And it shows because like in the way that you message yourself, it really is directly to the point. And I think this is what people are scared to do sometimes because they don't know what they want. They don't know, but they think there's this sort of thought when we're scared of do, creating content that pops in, which is like, I want to know what it is before I go create it. I want to know Correct. what it is before I say it. And that fear stops us. And, you know, it, it happens with networking too. People will say, I want to, I want to wait until I know all the jargon about my industry before I go network. And I'm like, no, you got to go network to get the jargon in your head. And so it is that yeah. sort of like cart before the horse thing. Like you have to start creating content to eventually get to a point where you know what content is easy for you to create. Is that what you sort yeah, of Yeah, I mean, it didn't happen overnight. I would also tell people this, like you don't wait to go to the gym to get in shape. Like, and that's the same thing with content or really anything in life. Like stop sitting on the sidelines. I mean, I think that's my big thing for people in 2022. Like, and, and people have asked me like, what do you think next year is gonna look like from a job market perspective? I think it's gonna be crazier because you know why? There's a lot of people this year just sat on the sidelines that have watched other people dive into the deep end. And they're like, oh man, my friend Sally got a $50,000 raise. I think it's time for me to do that too, right? So I think mm -hmm. 2022 is going to be crazy, but I would tell people to be confident. The job seeker has all the power right now. Now I'm not saying just be an absolute jerk in the interview process because that, that ain't going to go nowhere. But I will tell you this, if a company's interviewing you, you have power, you have leverage, right? Like I want to get that across to people listening now companies don't get their first choice companies don't even get their second or third choice right now and so i think approaching the job search with excitement um you know i there, there's so many things i want to say right now i think running through my brain so i'm sorry for being all over the place but i i think there's a mentality shift that needs to occur with people in 2022 right when approaching the job search it's not like oh crap here we go again we got to go got to go on the job search i'm like got to go take interviews no it needs to be all right this is going to be a lot, but I get to meet a ton of new people. I get to learn where my skills are lacking. I get to meet, I get to learn about new companies. I get to maybe get a raise. I get to maybe get a new work computer, right? Like those are all the things that people need to change their mindset for. Because I think what happens is that the typical job seeker mindset is, and listen, I get it, the job search beats you down. But I think if you can keep the mentality every day of I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to meet new people and whatever happens, happens. I think you're going to find a job way faster than you think you will um, with that mindset. We interrupt today's episode to let you know about Career Therapy's Unstuck Coaching Program. If you're feeling paralyzed by job search procrastination and unsure of what to do next in your career, we're here to help. Each month as a member, you will get access to two one-on-one -on -one coaching calls, unlimited virtual chat with your coach via Slack, invitations to bi-weekly group coaching sessions, and lifetime access to our eight-part job search curriculum. Want to take your search to the next level? Head over to careertherapy.com and schedule a free 15-minute consultation to chat with me today and see if coaching is right for you. Now, back to our show. 
It really does shift things because at the end of the day, you're not going to get through this process, how difficult it is if you don't change your outlook on it. And it, it is something that can change. Like when I was younger, I was massive introvert to the point where I was like so terrified. Yeah. Still an introvert, but like I can do these things out of practice. Like it's so funny. Every time I get off this podcast, I'm just like sweaty. I'm just like drenched. And and my partner, she's like, you're you're gross. Like, (laughs) and I'm like, yeah, but I'm I'm not the same way, man. I'm not naturally like this. Like people think, Oh, so you're just a natural person who can do video. It's like, well, you're great, by the way. I, I want to you know that. You're I fantastic. appreciate that. Well, that. And that's the other thing is like people don't understand that other people can't really see it until yeah, like- I can't like, see your pit sweat. You're wearing a jacket. Exactly. That's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think I have one on? Exactly. And like, and way less these days than, you know, five, 10 years ago when literally mm-hmm. like a conversation with a person at a Starbucks would put me like completely like flop sweat. Well, and real quick, I, I, I want to dive into something because I don't want this to go. I don't want to like end my session with you and not talk about this, about networking. Because you just said something that really sticks out, right? Going to a coffee shop, meeting one person and sweating, right? Listen, for those of you who are listening to this, now networking, now we live in a virtual world. I'm not talking about Web3. I'm not meta. talking about the metaverse. We're getting meta here. <laughs> We're getting meta. I'm not talking about that. At the end of the day, literally Martin and I are virtual right now we are virtual my team call i just had was virtual we live in a virtual world we do all of our calls for the most part virtually at work i will tell you this you have to start getting comfortable networking virtually now i give our talks on this i'm not going to go into everything right now but i will tell you this there are three ways to use social media to find your dream job the first way is posting content like we've talked about, right? Whether it's blogging once a day on LinkedIn, it's tweeting every day, it's talking about, you know, whatever you're learning, right? Did you learn React hooks today? Talk about it, right? The second part is, is commenting and liking people's status is literally, um, I, Martin, I, and, and maybe we could talk about this in the last part, which is the DM part, but, you know, I don't know how you found me, but maybe someone liked and commented on one of my posts and it popped up in your feed. And then here we are doing the podcast, right? And the final way is what Martin did to me is leverage the DMs, right? Martin slid in my DMs and goes, hey, love what you're doing. We'd love talking to you. Boom, in, right? What I'm saying is I've met so many people doing what I do on my podcast and morning show, Guidance Counselor 2.0. That, I've, that, I can, that I can hang out with anybody anywhere, right? I have pockets in New York City. I have pockets in San Francisco. I mean, literally, I could go to any city, I think. And this isn't a humble brag. This is just me saying the importance of networking in the last two years virtually. I think I can go to any major metropolitan city right now and hang out with somebody that I've met online. Martin, where, 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 where are you living in? I'm in Chicago. Next time I'm in Chicago, I'm hitting up Martin. And, I, and you know go. what? I bet Martin would hang out with me. <laughs> Damn right, we get coffee. Yeah. And that's you and... And just Rod, do you follow him on Instagram? Just Rod, he's up in Chicago. He's like Not the sure. guy that like, um, I think he said just me, Rod. Oh, what's his name? Rod, I'm giving you a shout out. <laughs> yeah, just me dot Rod. So like I met Rod, he's gone like viral recently on TikTok and Instagram. He talks about, he jokes around mental health in the workplace. It's kind of his platform. Literally he's in Chicago. And I bet if I hit him, he and I were both in New York together at the same time. We were going to hang out. We didn't because I was getting tattooed until midnight. That's another conversation. <laughs> nice. I met Billie Eilish. That was pretty cool. But all that being said, like Rod and I were going to hang out in New York City to go. I've never met Rod my entire life. But because we built a relationship virtually, we know each other. 
And that's, I, if there's anything, if, like if you have to go right now, like you gotta go do laundry or take care of your crying kid, go, you, you can leave this podcast now. Because the one thing I want to get across is you have to start getting comfortable with engaging people online now. I can't say it any better. I agree 100%. And the beautiful thing is, is that people are open to it. Like much more now than pre-COVID. I don't know if you've noticed that COVID, I'm not going to get into COVID and what it's done to the, to, to the US from on a, on a different type of scale. I've noticed that people are more open to talking. Well, I've noticed that it's just easier for people to talk because everyone is on Zoom now. Like prior to yes. COVID, not everyone was on Zoom. So I didn't have a Zoom account. I created right. a Zoom account when COVID hit. I mean, do you remember Skype? Like it was god awful. Like Skype really lost its chance. I'm gonna be honest <laughs> really with you. Like did. Skype, if you're listening to this, somebody at Skype, man, whoever you y'all's product person is. Well, they just had too much one. lag. And I remember I would try to meet lag. people in other cities and they'd be like, we would have this back and forth that would just be so dread dreadful. Like I remember Google meet was pretty decent for a while, but like, yeah, I might, when I had to learn how to do all these things, and this is something I probably don't talk about enough, but like I had a four hour commute. I would wake up at 5.00 AM every day. Serious? I would take a, I would walk to a bus, take a bus to a train, take a train to a shuttle and a shuttle to work. And then do the same thing on the way home. And I still, because I knew how important it was and because I hated my commute and I really wanted out of that job. I was like, I was still meeting people at night. So whenever someone says, I don't have time to network Martin, I'm like, it's on zoom these days. It's, it's so easy. Like we're it's doing a so podcast. Easy. I used to do it, podcasts in person. I would have to travel 40 minutes to an hour and a half to go meet someone. Really? to do a podcast. And I'm like, now I'm like, Oh, I guess I'll, you know, walk away from this episode of sex in the city that my girl, my fiance is watching and like do an yeah. episode. Like it's, yeah. it's so much easier now. And people act as though it's like the hardest Harder. thing in the world. And it but, is emotionally, but it's not technically. Yeah. And I want to highlight what Martin said, like not everyone needs a podcast, right? right like right. I'm just going to say that now. So there's a few other ways to leverage some there, there are a few other ways to slide into people's DMs to network with them without using a podcast for a building block, right? So the first way is I would ask for mentorship, right? So that's one way I've gotten really big on, right? I would literally go around and DM a bunch of people that I respect in whatever community you're in and just say, hey, listen, I would love to, to hang out with you once a month. Now, the mentor-mentee relationship is a whole nother podcast session that we could do, but you have to run with it and you have to engage but if you do, like, that's a great way, right? Like, you know, I'd be like, hey, Martin, like, you know, do you, would you be my mentor? Like, I, I'll drive all conversation and send what questions I have for 30 minutes a month. I'm sure Martin would be down for that. If you drive it, I'm sure Martin would be down for it. And so, I, you know, I, I think that's one way. I think another way too, and I, I preach this all the time, is three ways to make a good DM. Um, so my DM game was terrible when I was dating. Fortunately, I found my wife through Tinder. Um, so I'm going to save y'all a bunch of angst and consternation later. But um, first off, a good DM is um, flattery and admiration, right? So Martin did that to me. Martin goes, hey, Taylor, I love what you're doing and with your content. That means he's that means he's watching, right? Two, Martin said, hey, listen, I would love to have a pod, do a podcast session with you. You know, I think you, I think you may say it in an hour, right? So like the, the big thing is, is a specific question, a specific, specific amount of time, because I think individuals want to know what they're walking into. Like when my mom texts me and she goes, Hey, do you got five minutes? How long is that conversation? That conversation is at least an hour, <laughs> at least an hour. Right. 
So again, like, so if Martin was like, Hey, listen, can I have six minutes of your time? I'm doing a short podcast. I want to ask you one question on how do you find a job in 2022? I would know exactly what, what I'm walking into. And so that's a really, that that's another way to network with people in the DMS. If you don't have a podcast. Yeah. And just a few examples of the opposite. So recently I've been getting some, well, not recently, I've always gotten a lot of spam messages and random weird shit, but like, there's this one person that reached out to me recently and I was kind of caught off guard by this. I was so, I was just like, not offended because I don't get offended by mess. Like who cares? But just right. like, I was kind of a gas. I was like, really? This is where this is going? And like, look, I'm, I'm a guy online, so I don't get half the crap that like, you know, oh women gosh. have to put up with or any yes. of that stuff. But this, Correct. this, this is my own little like nitpick of, of DMs. And this person reached out to me and they're like, you know, super long message. Initially, I was like, oh, is this person like asking to do a coaching consultation or something? No, they said, they said at the end of the message, I have no money. I can't pay. Oh, no, they, they wanted to like set up a situation which after they got a job, they would pay me back or something like that. And I was like, nah, I can't really do that. You know, kind right. of being nice back and forth. Sure. But it got weirder after that. Like, that's not the weirdest thing. The weird thing is that it kept getting like they, they kept asking more questions. They're like, they're like, okay, but like, what about my resume? And and they started asking me questions about the resume and I was giving a few answers. I linked them to uh, a whole like, you know, document I have about resumes. And I was like, here, you can just have access to this for free. I don't care. And then they said, I can't uh, change my, I can't export from Google Drive to a Word doc. Can you do that for me? I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, you want like, me to change it? I'm like, and I was like, you can do that in Google Drive. I don't, I, was I like, am not, listen, I am the worst at technology. Even though I'm a recruiter, I even know how to do that. <laughs> right. And so this is what I'm saying. It's like, this is yeah. someone who like in no way, shape or form, like did any of the right things. And I was still pretty right. nice for like four or five messages until I was like, yeah. what is happening? I felt like I was like in some alternate dimension. Like, like it and was don't so do that strange. for people who are listening. Don't do that. Right. I mean, I, I, I think, I think what really what I really like is literally those things, those three things I mentioned. If you give me a shout out, like, Hey, I love what you're doing. I've been following you for a long time. I'm a fan, blah, blah, blah. Would love to chat with you on how to find a job for three minutes. I will do that. I will do that. And so I want to transition now into like the future. Yep. We're, we're looking, we're looking we into go. the future. All right. So where do you see, like you've, you've taken on over the last you know year or two in COVID you've really taken on this new approach to your career, this new approach to doing things. And you've seen such a great change, right? And you're following and your yeah. ability to connect and all these different things. What do you see that turning into long-term? Like how, is it just stay consistent with what you're doing and just watch it grow? Are you looking at new technologies? Are we looking forward to meta and virtual reality meetings and offices? Like, where do you see it all going? And what when you picture the future, like what are the core skills that you're trying to develop? I know it's a lot in that question, but let's break it down. Yeah. So are you talking about just for my brand or for my your brand, brand and also personally, the and then we'll break okay. it out to the market. So, I mean, I mean, me personally, like Taylor Dessen, like, what does that look like for 2022? I mean, my big thing is like trying to tell more stories and to try to bring more topics to light with the job search and to allow people to not feel alone. Um, I know for me, I'm going to do more in-person stuff. So I'm coming up with, you know, my goal is to do one event a quarter where I invite engineering leads from 
right now, mainly Nashville to like meet with me. We're going to do a bunch of content filming um, and, and really try to do a little bit more in person. Cause I feel like in-person content, I think hits a little bit more. People are fine. I mean, I follow one podcast, shout out to, uh, uh, what are they called? What are they called? Oh, group chat. Um, so those guys are great. I found them on TikTok. Um, I am on TikTok as well. No, I don't dance. But like, you know, a lot of their content is like mine. It's, it's and, and like this, you just cut up a Zoom call and you post it on TikTok and see if it goes viral or not, right? So, but I think what I've noticed myself and I'm very cognizant of my behaviors and kind of what I watch on TikTok that the more in-person stuff does better, right? So that's kind of my goal too. I've, I'm really talking about, I'm really talking to myself. I talk to myself often. Um, shout out to those who talk to themselves and have an inner voice. Um, but uh, I've, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to do an NFT. And when I say an NFT, I mean like what Gary Vee's done, right? To add value, whether it be, you know, 10 NFTs where you get a limited access to me and your job search, or, you know, then you can sell that off when you get a job and give it to somebody else, right? I mean, I, you know, that's something I'm, I'm, I'm interested in and going to try to figure out how to enact on, um, you know, I, and I think at the end of the day, just trying to help people. I think it's just more of the same. I, you know, I, I've talked to my brand guy, um, shout out to branded 78 and Brandon Arve. He's kind of the engine behind everything I do. And, you know, we have these memes, like, what can we do different? You know, can we change up font? Can we change up color? And literally he and I joke, we go back to this, my most watched TikTok, it's got like over 500,000 views. It's literally like, so I, it's literally one of the first interns cut up my video and it's done really poorly and it has the most views. So we go back, like we always talk about how to innovate, how to tell better stories, what camera angles, what's the lighting like. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Never it doesn't matter as long as you're trying to add value. And so again, I think it's more of the same, but also trying to do a little bit more in-person stuff and tell better stories. Um, I would say in the market for 2022, I think it's going to be crazier than 2021 when it comes to the job search, especially in tech. Like I said, I think for me, I think a lot of people are sitting on the silence in 2021. They're like, is this a fad? Are we going to like, like what's going to happen? Um, and I think a lot of people waiting out their bonuses and then bouncing, right? I mean, I, I hate to say it, a lot of companies have overhired, right? I mean, I, I know a lot of companies have overhired and their stock's hurting and they got to lay people off better.com. I mean, heck, right? Zillow, right? I mean, we've seen these mass layoffs over this last year. And I feel like, a lot of these players that got snatched up, a lot of these individuals that got snatched up, especially in the engineering space this year, where companies have overhired because they think they have to overhire are going to come back to reality in 2022. And I think those people are going to leave on top of all the other people sitting on the sidelines. So I think it's just going to be, I think 2020 is going to be one of my clients that I have 110 positions next year, 110. Holy shit. Yeah. So again, it's not going to slow down. Um, and, and quite frankly, maybe even busier. Yeah, that's that's just chaos. That's just chaos out there. And the question becomes like, how do you differentiate? And everything we've been talking about up to this point, like it comes down to changing your approach. If you're doing the same thing over and over again, it's not working. It's not working. We have to just admit that and we have to change, right? Yep. And I think 2020 was a great year for experimentation, 2021 yep. for focus, and 2022 is just like really taking what works and amplifying it. And so oh, I really appreciate you bringing it together here. Um, if there was one thing, just to kind of wrap it up, if there was one thing that if someone wants to work with a recruiter in the new year after the holidays mm -hmm. are done, well, first of all, let's, let's end on this. Should they wait till the holidays end or should no, they start no, reaching out I mean, now? They, honestly, you should do it now. A lot of people on my team are, 
so I've, I've been having one-on-ones this week with my team and a lot of us are winding down a little bit and you're going to catch recruiters right now when they're probably not working as hard, which is the best opportunity to probably get their ear immediately. Now, a lot of recruiters may not want to take calls, but that doesn't mean you can't still move the needle, right? Send your resume to them, ask for a revision, right? See if they have any jobs that are fit right now, right? You know, if you were approaching me right now, you know, if Martin, you approached me and you were in the engineering space, you know, I would get, I would, you sh- I would say, hey, shoot me a resume and give me a quick synopsis bio about yourself, how many years of experience you have with these certain skill sets, your salary range, and then I can go ahead and start shopping you around without even talking to you, right? So right now you're going to get recruiters that, so our year is a sprint. I mean, to be totally frank with you from like January till November, it is just an all out sprint. And so the recruiters right now in the industry are tired, but we're slower right now, which will allow you to get our attention quicker and, and easier um, but don't be alarmed if they push you off to just an email, but try to email them as much as you feasibly can without being annoying to, so that way you can hit the ground running in January. Yeah. And don't be hurt. Like that's the yeah. key. This is all business. This it's, is yeah, not personal. It's all business. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. I, at the end of the day, like, listen, I, I would approach the job search and really try always tell a recruiter, I need you to tell me the good, bad, and ugly. And I don't care what it is. So I will tell you this, a lot of times recruiters don't give you feedback because they're scared to give you feedback mm. because they don't want to upset you. I know it's a crazy concept. You know, recruiters get such a bad reputation. Oh, I never hear back from them with feedback. Well, they're probably scared <laughs> to tell you. And so it, so usually what, what, what has worked for me in the past, if I'm scared to tell a person, a person goes, hey, listen, I don't care if it's good, bad, or ugly. Just tell me. And then I'm like, oh, okay. All right, cool. Well, here's the deal. Like you absolutely just bombed your interview. <laughs> and then like, <laughs> and then- and then y'all can work backwards. And so I, so I would tell recruiters that or hiring managers that moving into 2022 is like, listen, just be brutally honest with me. It won't hurt my feelings. And I think if you come at it from that place, I think you're going to um, be able to work on your skills even more. Taylor, I love it. Thank you so much for taking time yeah, out buddy. of your day to share with us. Um, we're probably going to have to do a part two at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This was a, that's a yeah. This time I know you got fast. a lot going on. So where can people find you? How can they uh, tune into your next, uh, next live? Yeah. So um, tomorrow is my final live. So I think by the time this is published, I'll be on hiatus until the first of the year. So connect with me on LinkedIn. My live show is really kind of fueled through LinkedIn, um, but I have a podcast. It's, it's in audio form, Guidance Counselor 2.0. Um, and uh, yeah, Twitter, I tweet like like my job depends on it, which it does. So <laughs> T-D-E-S-S-E-Y-N D-E-S-S-E-Y-N is all my social media handles. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I have an email newsletter. I have a texting community. You name it. I probably have it. So doing it all, doing it all. all Putting it. us to shame. I love it. Uh, <laughs> well, I appreciate your time and uh, enjoy your holidays, my man. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. I really appreciate your support of what we're building here at Career Therapy as we continue to try and explore the hidden side of modern work and tell some of the stories that maybe don't get enough light shed on them. If you enjoyed what you listened to today, I hope you will leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, Subscribe to this wherever you're listening or watching on YouTube, Spotify, etc. And uh, share this with some friends who you know are going through similar experiences and looking to build their career and, and gain some insights along the way. Again, thank you so much for stopping by, and I wish you the best. I'll see you on the next episode.